Clovis, building a healthy life together. What's up, everybody? Justin Nault here with another Ask Me Anything episode. This is audio pulled from my weekly Facebook Live, which you can catch every Wednesday night at 8 p.m. Central at facebook.com slash the Clovis culture. If you like what you hear, please subscribe to this podcast and leave me a five-star review on your favorite podcast platform. I know that leaving a podcast review can be quite tricky, so I have made this as easy as possible for you. All you have to do is visit ratethispodcast.com slash Clovis. Again, ratethispodcast.com slash Clovis. I've also included this link in the show notes, so you can just click that link and it will show you a list of podcast platforms. Select your favorite podcast platform and you will see step-by-step on-screen instructions for exactly how to leave a podcast review. Each and every review counts. It really, really helps and it truly means the world to me. Thank you. As always, this episode is brought to you by Clovis. I am the founder and CEO of Clovis and I am in the business of changing people's lives for the better. I am a certified nutritional therapist and I have helped over 1,000 people just like you transform their health and wellness. And I want to work with you. To prove it, I'm going to give you a free seven-day trial, which will give you full-blown access to all of the exclusive members-only content that Clovis has to offer. Just visit iamclovis.com slash start. I-A-M-C-L-O-V-I-S dot com slash start start. You will find videos of yours truly and you will find some incredible transformation stories from real life Clovis clients. You will be shocked by the incredible stories that these brave individuals have to tell. Stories of full-blown life transformation. 50 pounds in 8 weeks, 40 pounds in 60 days, 19 pounds in 21 days, 100 pounds in 6 months, you name it, I have a client who has done it. And you can too. Check out IamClovis.com start and get started with your free trial today. If you'd like to check out my physical products, I am offering you a very special deal on the Perfect Paleo Powder. 30% off your first purchase. In fact, that 30% discount will be applied to your entire cart for your first purchase at IamClovis.com. Head over to IamClovis.com, check out the Perfect Paleo Powder and all the other products that I have available, and you will get 30% off your first purchase. Just use promo code PERFECTPODCAST, all one word, P-E-R-F-E-C-T-P-O-D-C-A-S-T. Perfect podcast, all one word. Apply this discount code at checkout and you will receive 30% off your entire first order. Just visit IamClovis.com to grab this special deal. All right, let's get on with the episode. Thanks so much for listening. Enjoy. What's up, everybody? It's Justin. Welcome to live Ask Me Anything number 107. Sorry for the dramatic pause in the beginning, but the last couple of episodes I've realized that the what's up everybody, it's Justin, has been getting cut off. So I go back to the podcast and GarageBand where I record and it's like, hey everybody, it's Justin. I'm like, oh man, I missed the intro. So I gave it a second. We'll see if I got it this time around. How's everybody doing? How's social distancing? How's self-quarantine? Quarantine. Can you say it? Quarantine? Every time I hear the word quarantine... I think of that song from the movie Coraline, the animated video Coraline. People say quarantine, 
And I picture the dad playing piano going, making up a song about Coraline. And I'm like, oh, this is quarantine. I don't know. I'm weird. <laughs> Whatever. Uh, you're in the situation room, everybody. This is the situation room. Why? Because. This is my last Topo Chico. <laughs> what the hell, man? I'm going to have to go to a store or something or find someone that delivers. Instacart is like completely shut down in my neck of the woods. So I haven't been able to get any Instacart deliveries. It's like, oh, you want an Instacart delivery? We got room for you next Friday. I'm like, oh, okay. So I'm going to have to put on a hazmat suit, apparently, and go out into the wilderness of the grocery stores. Crazy. It's really funny. I'm not, uh, uh, still not afraid of coronavirus for myself personally. But again, I mean, all my parents, I say all my parents because I have a stepdad. Um, so I have a mom and a dad and a stepdad, right? And my dad has a girlfriend. So there's a lot of grownups around that are all over 60. So um, I do think about that for sure. I don't think about it so much for myself. If I had it my way, I would just get this thing and, and be done with it and hope it was like chicken pox or something, which we don't actually know yet. You might be able to get it more than once. It's probably going to come around. It's definitely probably going to come around seasonally. Seasonally, I just said definitely probably. Don't do that if you're wondering how to communicate like a human. Don't do what I just did. Don't say definitely probably. <laughs> that was weird. Um, but yeah, so the, uh, you know, it's probably going to come back around year after year after year. It's just that hopefully we will have treatments and or vaccine by then or blah, 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 whatever. You can talk about vaccinations. Let's go down that road. That's super fun. <laughs> I love that topic. Um, but anyway, yeah, so it's just uh, just kind of interesting. So this thing will probably come back around. But anyway, I'm not afraid of it for myself. Uh, I am afraid of it for people that I love, you know, which is kind of how everybody should be thinking about this thing. In my opinion, who's here? What's up, Laura? What's up, Brandy? What's up, Erica? What's up, Tammy? Crystal? Jackie, Mikey, Jennifer, Denise, Nikki, Judy. Awesome. Lots of people. I like this. We got some live viewers. Let's dig in. So uh, this is kind of cool because the last couple of weeks I've done big, scary whiteboard presentations about the coronavirus. Um, I've done four episodes on the podcast about coronavirus. Everything from the science of coronavirus to immune system stuff to uh, how to make money from home. And uh, I do have a question about that today. So I did. I gathered some questions from you guys. Um, just a, like a couple minutes ago. So th we're going to be winging this one right here. I just kind of want to chill with you tonight. Um, I was not uber productive today, which is interesting. That's quite rare for me. Um, I mean, I think I was still very productive and I got a lot of things done. I talked to a lot of different people about a lot of different things, all Clovis related, freelancers and things like that. A lot of things happened today. Um, I got a really good hour long workout in that was like very meditative, just like lifting heavy ass weights, felt really good. I was in the sauna. Um, all my non-negotiables obviously happened. I took a walk from with mom. My mom and I walked about a mile and a half because we finally got some sun today. Um, but yeah, I just did all the non-negotiables, you know, the journaling, the two times a day meditation and cold showers and all that stuff, right? All my normal stuff always gets done no matter what. So a normal day for me, my least productive day is very, very productive. Um, but this wasn't one where I particularly made it a point to kill myself in terms of like research and, and f looking at coronavirus and looking at, you know, all sorts of things. I just really have been like, Hey, you know what, man? I've been self-isolating for probably about 14 days now. Um, maybe not quite 14 days. Yeah, prob probably about that. Yeah, um, I don't know how, how long now, but I've been doing it for quite a while. I, th I, thought, I thought this thing looked a little gnarly in the beginning. Um, maybe 10 days, I can't even remember, but it's been a while for me. Um, people are like, quarantine, day two. I'm like, oh, I'm way ahead of you. But my house is awesome, I'm set up well for this. Uh, but I, I do realize the stress of the situation, the stress of the situation for everybody. It's a stressful situation, no matter how you slice it. We all are, it's just kind of in this, this 
place of unknowing and what I talked about in the live video last night, I went live with the group and was just explaining to people that like the world is just run by little tiny children and grown up bodies. And we're all looking for people to give us answers and people don't have the answers and we're very uncomfortable with that. Um, so it becomes this thing, particularly those of us that are really reliant on the system. I know I've been beating that horse to death of like, don't be reliant on the system. You're in charge of your own life. Um, but the people that are really 100% reliant on that system are really in a tricky spot because they're turning to people for help and experts for advice and people don't really have it. We don't have the answers. That's what happens when something new happens, right? We can't look at anyone in history and say, Hey, do you remember when, um, you know, do you remember when this happened when you were a kid? Like you can't do that. You can't you can't go to your grandparents or your mom and dad and say, "Hey, when this happened to you, what was that like?" We can't do that. There's there's never been a response like this ever. We didn't have a response like this to H1N1. We didn't have a response like this to any of the other flu pandemics. It's really just been astronomical. And we've never had social media to this degree. That's the real that's the 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 wild card that people are leaving out in the conversation. So, hey, we didn't flip out this bad with H1N1. Why are people going so crazy? So, well, because if you look back on H1N1, at that time, your grandma didn't have Facebook and your grandma wasn't sharing all of the fake clickbait news coming out of every shady website with a scary headline. That wasn't happening. Not nearly the same number of people were on social media, right? So the spread of information is almost worse than the spread of this pandemic because this is where I'm finding people, like I told you guys that literally like, I have been sent videos of people inhaling the air from their hair dryer, thinking that they're going to kill coronavirus from breathing in hot air. People are literally huffing Lysol. Like it's just the madness that we're seeing online is a direct response of social media. That's the social media machine at work. Um, and we have to understand everybody. And I don't, I don't mean this in a, in a terrible way, but you have to look at if you take a person, I've, I've used this statistic before. I don't know if I've ever said it in the podcast. I hope I don't get myself in trouble here, but this is what I do, right? Um, if you take a person of what would be considered, let's say, like average intelligence, right? And this is by, by no fault of anyone's. It's just like all we all grow up in different situations and different ed education levels and different backgrounds and have different parents and different cultures and all these things, right? So if you take a person who's like 35 years old and of, let's say, like very average intelligence, and if we were just comparing people on like an IQ test or some standardized form of testing, right? Obviously, everyone has their own place of genius. I firmly believe that. But if we just look at like overall intelligence and say, this person right here is of average, we have to know that there's 150 million people in the country that would be considered lower in intelligence than that person who is average. So it's very, very tricky when you start to think about these things where you're like, no, the, the people that are, you know, breathing in, inhaling hot air from their, their hair dryer. And I've heard people saying like, yeah, if you're out and about, um, oh, I heard this today. Someone shared this with me. Like if you're out and about and you have to go in public, then make sure you take big, big gulps of water because if the virus has made it into your mouth and you take big, big gulps of water, instead of it going into your lungs, it'll go down into your stomach and it'll be killed by your stomach acid. And you're just like, I don't know. I don't know, man. It's it's really tricky, but you you always have to approach these things from a place of empathy and understand like these people are scared and they don't know what's going on and they don't know about viruses and they don't know about infectious diseases and they, they don't know these things. We're not prepared for this. Nobody's prepared for this. Nobody. The president is guessing, okay? Literally. Everyone's guessing. This Fauci guy that goes on TV and is the top expert in the world, he's guessing too. Everyone's guessing. And that's the problem is we have fallen into this place. We've all been trained since we were little kids that the big, 
the big intimidating grown-up stands up in the front of the room and they always know what they're doing. Well, now we look at it now, like I'm 33 and I realized that every teacher I ever had was full of shit. They had no idea what they were doing. Then I went on to, in my 20s and 30s, just for whatever reason, dated a bunch of public school teachers and they were all super high on weed and bottles of wine all the time. And like, if I were five years old, I'd be looking at that 27-year-old teacher being like, this person is a grown-up. They know everything. They have all the answers. I must listen to them, right? But then you get perspective. As you get older, you get perspective. Now, you know, at five years old, I would have thought this 27-year-old was a full-blown grown-up who knows everything about the world. And then I am, you know, 30 and dating that 27-year-old. And I'm like, this girl don't know her ass from her elbow about anything. <laughs> you know, so it's like really... Um, yeah, I mean, it's just kind of strange, the world we live in. So anyway, I want to dig into some questions here. Let's see what's going on in the comments over here. Did I have coffee? I have coffee every day, but I stopped drinking any caffeinated coffee um, prior to noon. So to answer your question, I have a shitload of energy literally all the time. It's a problem. Uh, for real. <laughs> yeah, it never goes away. And not to mention, like, I've been up since 6.30 this morning and did a mile and a half walk with my mom and worked out for over an hour bodybuilding and have done the sauna and have done all the things that I normally do every day. And yeah, and I don't drink caffeine afternoon. But anyway, yeah. Aloha. Thank you for tagging people. I appreciate that. Pretty cool. Hi, pals. Loving this tribe more than ever right now. Me too. The tribe is fantastic. It's been really, really great during this coronavirus deal. Love the sun today. The sun came out in Nashville. It was beautiful. Thank God. I got to go for a walk and when I lifted in my garage gym and got to open um, the garage door there, which has been really great. Um, my mom keeps, my mom says, I've never seen this before and it's crazy every time I talk to her. Yeah, nobody's seen it. It's, nobody's seen this, right? Yes, difference is social and mainstream misleading media, 100%. Denise, I feel like I'm living in a virtual world. I'm using tech to teach, meet virtually with students, text, FaceTime, email, and communicate in every way. My son and I argued over who's going to walk to the mailbox just to get out. Insane, we went together. Yeah, this is interesting. This is gonna change a lot of things going forward. Um, I think it's going to be a serious catalyst for change in the education system. I think edu education is, particularly higher education, is one of the only brick and mortar establishments that really hasn't been disrupted. And it needs to be, it needs to be disrupted terribly. I, th I think college is a joke, uh, really. I've, I really think it's a joke. And like, I know I've debated back and forth with people at that and some people wanna get mad at me about it or whatever. Like, I really think it's a joke. Like, if you wanna be a brain surgeon, yeah, you're probably gonna go learn your shit inside and out. Um, but you give me any topic, I mean, literally any topic and self-directed, I will outlearn you. I guarantee it. I literally guarantee it. But that's because I've spent the last eight years of my life becoming very, very good at acquiring skills and becoming a self-directed learner. I'm obsessed with learning. Like if I could pick one thing that is my hobby on this planet, the number one thing that I like more than anything, it is learning and acquiring skills. Um, so obviously I'm gonna hold a pretty strong opinion on school, right? I had a, like a 2.6 GPA all through high school. I barely graduated high school. I think I graduated high school because I was dating the principal's daughter. Like, yeah, and was like, started a clothing line and was selling clothes to the policemen that ran the school, right? It was like, I just, I snuck my way through and I was on the news playing piano all the time. It was like, I didn't, I literally didn't do any of the things required to do to graduate high school. And they let me graduate high school. I didn't do any of them, none of them. Like the language requirements and the capstone project and the this and that, I did none of those things. Literally none, right? I was terrible in school. And then I finagled my way into Berkeley, fought my way into Berkeley College of Music and had a 3.86 GPA. Why? Because it was music, it was something I cared about, right? So all of a sudden you had a 3.86 GPA. Whoa, crazy. And I'm like winning awards and stuff, you know? Kind of crazy. What else we got? 
Yeah, yeah, you're awesome, man. Justin, what else we got? Thank you. That's an interesting comment. College is not necessary for everything. No, totally agree, right? Not necessarily for everything. Certainly necessary for specific things. Like my brother has a law degree, right? It's totally, that's important, right? He needed to go to law school to do that. Um, that said, you look, watch like Catch Me If You Can, right? Like Frank Abagnale Jr. My dad met that dude, which is kind of cool. And like literally passed the bar. He studied and passed the bar. That's something that happened. So it's, it's really, really interesting. Well, I'm a teacher now. Also, my nine year found my preschool because I re refused to send my kids to preschool. I gotta, I gotta, I gotta look at you guys' comments for grammar before I try to read them. I'm really bad at them. I just start reading them. Schedules, and she spent the whole day teaching my whole curriculum. That's awesome. Yeah, that, that's I love that with kids. Like that's that's one of the big concepts of like unschooling, um, and the ideas of like Montessori school, little things they do where they they'll take kids from different grades and just let them co-mingle and teach one another. That's brilliant. Like in jujitsu, if you want a white belt to learn really quickly, teach them advanced moves and then have them teach those moves to the class. So, I mean, that's wonderful. Like my nutrition knowledge and fitness knowledge has, has skyrocketed since I've had a podcast for over, you know, God, I think over two years now I've been doing this podcast and um, just doing, teaching you guys the whiteboard presentations and everything, the preparation and the, the things that I need to do to teach you guys this information. That just solidifies my knowledge of probably more than anything I've ever done, right? And that's the idea of wisdom through experience. Like you're gathering wisdom through experience. So I do want to dig into some of these questions here that people gave me because one of these is going to have to do with uh, wisdom through experience, which I think you guys are really going to like. Yeah, five years of college for a two-year degree. Finally made it to art school. I get it. <laughs> nice. All right. So let's check this out. So one quick thing. I want to talk about a couple questions here because uh, a lot of people are on social distancing, like social isolation or whatever. They're in a very controlled environment. Um, now is the, the best time you're ever going to have um, to try to really lock down some daily habits, right? You no longer have the excuse of time. Um, I mean, obviously a lot of you have kids home and all these things. There's always going to be demands on your time, right? But a lot of people spend a lot of time saying like, oh, if I didn't have to go to work every day, I could do so many things. And now they just have a new excuse where it's like, well, I don't have to go to work anymore, but the kids are home. So I still have an excuse for why I'm not doing any of the things I said I was going to do, right? Um, but you do have an opportunity here if you manage your time well. And learning to manage your time, self-directed, the same thing as acquiring skills and getting good at learning, you have to learn how to manage your own calendar, right? So when I was a musician, I would just kind of like, you know, sleep till late in the day and like maybe do a P90X workout, or like go grab drinks with my friends or whatever, and then like go out and play another gig. I didn't really have that controlled schedule. Um, when I became an entrepreneur, I had to like very quickly lock down my schedule. Like I will get up at this time and I will do this work and I will go to the gym for this long or blah, blah, blah. Like I really had to set that up. You have to really be disciplined with your own schedule. Working from home, some people can really thrive in that, but I find the people that do thrive and work from home, they're very, very good at blocking out their time and setting up their schedule in a very specific way. Um, so this person had a question about the carnivore diet during this whole social distancing thing. So I'll read the question and then we will dig in. Okay. So it says, can you talk about doing a carnivore experiment? What is a good time frame? 21 days? Is tracking macros necessary? Good types of meat for satiety? Are uh, satiety, however you want to say it. Are vitamins, minerals, supplements necessary? I know with all this coronavirus madness, you recommend some supplements, but I mean in general, are they necessary with carnivore? Also, thanks for the coronavirus audiobook. Just started it. Good. I hope you like the audiobook. Hope you guys are listening to that. That's free for members inside of I Am Clovis. It's there to download. Um, IamClovis.com slash members. Um, just log in. You can download it. Um, those of you that don't have it, you can go to this link and get the free ebook. And if you do a seven-day trial of I Am Clovis, then you get the ebook for free as well. So there you go. 
I just put that there. I am Clovis.com slash coronavirus. Uh, go get the ebook and the audiobook. So here's the thing about this question. Uh, the question is interesting because I can think of nothing on planet Earth, Earth that is easier than the carnivore diet, literally, in terms of planning, preparation, and all these things. But people trick themselves. So this is a lot like the, hey, I would do a lot more things if I didn't have to go to work. That's, that's not the underlying reason why you're not doing things. It's an excuse for why you're not doing things. It's a reason for you to procrastinate the execution of the thing that you want to do. Um, I find that people do this with the carnivore diet. I think the carnivore diet is very intimidating to people because it removes so many of the most common foods in the American diet. I think it's very, very intimidating. And I think people find any reason to put off the trigger pull of executing on the carnivore diet. And that's what I think these questions are. So let's just let's just pick this apart, right? So this is a question about like, can you talk about doing a carnivore experiment? Again, I think there's nothing easier than carnivore in the world. But this question is, what are good timeframes? 21 days, is tracking macros necessary? Good types of meat, meat for satiety? Are vitamins and supplements necessary? Like it's just, you're, you're really trying to hammer this thing down in a way that you don't need to because most nutrition plans are really, really complicated. People do this the first time that they sign up for Clovis. They're like, hey, I got your approved foods list and potatoes aren't on there and I think you forgot to put quinoa on there and I think you also forgot to put whole grain pasta and bagels because that's really good for me and I noticed that almonds aren't on your list and I think you left that out and I noticed that hot peppers aren't on there either and I think you left that out and I'm like, no, 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 no. I didn't leave anything out. That's, that's just the protocol. We're removing those foods. That's something that we're doing. It's quite simple, but people really, really tend to overcomplicate things. Um, so let's let's lay out the carnivore diet, right? So you don't want to make this hard on yourself. The real answer here is if you really want to do this as like a carnivore experiment, if you're really trying to do a carnivore experiment, then what you're talking about doing is an extreme elimination diet. That's it. That's what you're talking about. You're talking about kind of a metabolic reset with an extreme elimination sorry extreme elimination diet. So I'm gonna give you the real answer here. Eat ribeye steaks when you're hungry, add salt, drink water. That's it, all done. That's your carnivore experiment. Do that for 30 days. That's literally it. Eat ribeyes whenever you're hungry. That's the only thing you can eat. Add salt and drink water, right? Because if your goal is truly an extreme elimination diet, that's the way to do it. Eat ribeyes, add salt, drink water, that's it. It's that simple. Now, if you want more direction, you can dig into the carnivore diet as deep as you want and say, I'm gonna do nose to tail carnivore and I'm gonna make sure that I get two ounces of grass-fed beef liver and then twice a week, I'm gonna get three ounces of kidney and then I'm gonna get salmon roe to make sure I get my EPA and DHA. And people just make it crazier and crazier and crazier, right? Most of you don't wanna be carnivores for the rest of your life. I guarantee you that. I've met very few people that want to be carnivore long-term, right? So for most of you, this is going to be a reset. So you should make it the most extreme elimin elimination reset you possibly can if you're going to do it. If you're gonna do it, just do it. Do the legit elimination diet. Now, if you do wanna get into tracking macros, you gotta think about what your goal is, but I don't want you to think about calories because there's a shitload of calories in ribeye steaks, right? So I don't want you to think about it that way. Let's say you weigh 165 pounds and you wanna lose 10 pounds, eat 155 grams of protein and 155 grams of fat every single day. So that's 10 pounds, pick a target weight, let's say 10 pounds below your current weight. If you're 165 and wanna be 155, pick your target weight, eat that many grams of fat and that many grams of protein every day. This is incredibly easy to do because 
ribeyes are essentially a one-to-one ratio or as close as you're going to get. Getting it right on the money is virtually impossible, right? You would literally be weighing things by the gram to get it on the money, right? But if you're just dealing with like a grass-fed ribeye steak, then it's going to be like a one-to-one ratio. So if you need to eat 1,500 calories a day or whatever, and you get that just from ribeye steaks, it's going to be a pretty close ratio of one-to-one fat to protein, which is actually a 70-30 macro split, 70% fat, 30% protein. Um, But again, these are nitty-gritty details. And supplements, I want to be clear about this, guys. Nobody needs supplements. Nobody is suffering from supplement deficiencies, right? Like if you have inflammation in your body, you don't have a turmeric deficiency. You don't have an NSAID deficiency. If you have a problem with your thyroid, if you're hypothyroid or you have MTHFR genetic SNP, let's say, you don't have a capsule deficiency. You don't have a synthetic vitamin B12 deficiency. You don't have any of those things. You have a micronutrient deficiency. This is a a whole food fix. I'm yet to come across anything really that can't be fixed with whole foods. There are things that require prescription medications, life-threatening things, right? But when we're talking about nutrition, when we're talking about supplements, nutritional supplements, whole foods wins hands down every time, all the time. Now, the coronavirus ebook, this is very, very different. I released a coronavirus ebook and I'm pulling out all the stops and going through the scientific literature on how we could possibly boost the immune system. But notice that in a five-part book about boosting the immune system, literally a five-part book about boosting the immune system, number one in that ebook is nutrition. Number five in that ebook, the very last thing I talk about is nutritional supplements because there is nothing worse to me than really unhealthy people who don't have their bases covered, who have done none of the lifestyle work, and they're taking $400 worth of supplements every month. That is a complete waste of money, an absolute, complete, irrefutable waste of money. This is why it was so irritating to me when coronavirus popped up and all these people were like, I want to take supplements to boost my immune system. And I'm like, wait, 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 wait. You're uh, 200 pounds overweight. I get it. You're afraid of this thing that's happening, but your best return on investment right now is not to take supplements for the next two weeks while you're on social distancing. It's to try to change your metabolic health in the next two weeks. That's still the best return on investment. But people take a pill, right? They do this. Hmm. I just wanted Topo Chico. But they they swallow a pill and they think that they're immediately doing some kind of magical thing. That's really not what's happening. And and it's really a waste of money if you don't have the metabolic health down. Supplements, uh, someone said this, this, I can't remember who said this to me, but it was like supplements are, are not meant to supplement things. Supplements are meant to add to the perfect things you're already doing, right? So that's the way that I see supplements. Um, but the carnivore thing, it's really, really quite easy, right? So anyway, that's it. it that That's my simple answer is like ribeyes, salt, water. And then if you want to really track this with macros or something like that, just do a one-to-one ratio of fat to protein and you're done. That, that's it. Pick a target weight and that's your ratio. What else we got? Laura, I concur. The removal of choices makes it incredibly easy. Yes, it's so much easier. I'm telling you guys, I, I tell you this all the time. Discipline equals freedom. Unlimited variety is chaos. Chaos does not equal freedom. It just doesn't. Like you never have to wonder, for me, like if I go out to a restaurant, I never have to wonder like, oh, there's bread on the table. Am I gonna eat that bread? No, I'm not a person that eats bread. That's just not who I am. That's it. 
you know? It's just the decisions, like the discipline makes life much, much easier. I, I don't have to... I don't have to give any willpower to that decision in that moment. Like, am I going to eat that bread? That's already decided. That's already been pre-negotiated before I even leave the house, right? Stevie. Oh, cool. Stevie, this is your question. Okay, very cool. I should have clarified my question. I'm already 10 days in the carnivore. I've been eating a, a lot of variety of meats. Just don't want to miss details. Thanks for the clarity. Yeah, you're doing an experiment, Stevie. So again, it's like guys like Paul, like Paul's a dear friend of mine. I love Paul, right? And Paul is a nose-to-tail carnivore guy. So people consume Paul's content and they're like, oh boy, this carnivore thing's really complicated. He eats thymus and pancreas and spleen and organ and this and that. Guys, he's been a strict carnivore for over two years. I would never tell you to do the ribeye salt water experiment for two years. I'd never tell you to do that. For the vast majority of you, you don't want to be Paul Saladino. I promise you. I don't want to be Paul Saladino. Paul Saladino doesn't want to be Justin Nolt, right? We're all individuals. Uh, it, like he's going to pry black coffee from my cold, dead hands. It's not going to happen, right? But a true carnivore doesn't consume anything that comes from plants. If you consume anything that comes from plants, including coffee or tea, you are now an omnivore. You're not a carnivore, right? So that's the thing is you have to remember when, when you see all this carnivore content coming out on Instagram and podcasts and all these things, you have to think, who do you want to be? What is carnivore for Stevie, right? Like Stevie, what is carnivore for you? I don't think you want to be Paul Saladino. I don't think that you want to be carnivore for the rest of your life, so you need to sit there and nitpick how many ounces of organ meats do I need to get all my B vitamins, and how many egg yolks do I need plus, vit plus uh, vitamin A, or like how much choline do I need from egg yolks, how much vitamin D do I need from liver, how much vitamin A do I need from liver, what do I need to get of salmon roe to hit the EPA, EPA and DHA to get my omega-3 fatty acids. You don't need to think about this shit at all. That's not your goal, right? If you tell me you want to be a carnivore long term, then yeah, we should probably work together and and work this out for you. You know, nose to tail seems very complex. In all honesty, it's very intriguing, but it takes a lot of education and planning. I'm assuming it depends. It doesn't necessarily take a lot of education unless you want to understand why it works. And I'm telling you, Paul Paul has the best book on the market, The Carnivore Code, um, for understanding the carnivore diet. But it's very complex. There's a lot of bio biochemistry in that book. I truly believe that that book is is going to be difficult for a lot of people to understand, right? Uh, he does a good job of summarizing everything. The chapters are very dense. I mean, literally, you could just read the book and just go to the book, the, the chapter summary at the end of each chapter and, and then skip to the end and see what a carnivore diet looks like. It just depends on if you want to know why things work. It's very easy. He lays out five different tiers of the carnivore diet, five different levels, right? So you could just go there and say, oh, I'm going to do this one and try it. You don't necessarily need to know why you're eating the, the liver or why you're why grass-fed is better. Like you don't necessarily need to know these things if you don't really want to. Some people just don't want to be nutrition nerds, and I don't blame them, right? It's kind of a pain in the ass, right? What else we got? Carnivore is the easiest, most satisfying satiety. Uh, uh, nose, tail, wind. Sorry, vegans. Yes, for sure. Absolutely. Um, all right, what else we got? All right, I'm gonna. I'm not gonna read all these. These are confusing. <laughs> um, can you talk about diverticulitis? Uh, what it has done to the gut, and is there a cure? Yeah, um, I'm not an expert on this. I'm really not. So, this is one of those things where I get really weary about blanket statements. So, I would definitely want to dig more into what what in particular is going on. Um, I would actually there I think I think Paul's done podcast on that. So check that out. 
I could go deeper into it and and dig in and do maybe do a podcast about it or something like that, but I'm not going to pretend to be an expert on there. Um, I am 100% willing to bet that that inflammation plays a role and leaky gut and gut permeability and all those things. It's definitely a metabolic issue for sure. Um, there are very, very few things that aren't metabolic issues. So that's what I would go to first. I can pretty much guarantee if somebody is suffering from diverticulitis, they have a really poor diet and probably have for a very long time, right? For sure. Um, what else? Paul's extreme. I just feel so much less inflammation in the last 10 days, less inflammation and easy shopping. hundred percent, super easy, super easy to shop. And yeah, I mean, that's, I, I have basically been carnivore besides black coffee and paleo powder because my house, I, I don't want to go grocery shopping. Like my house is full of pasture raised eggs. I have hundreds of pounds of venison. I have a hundred pounds of just grass fed ground beef. Like, I probably shouldn't be saying this. People try to come raid my house, but you don't want to raid my house because I own a lot of guns and I'm very well trained in a lot of ways. So you can come get my meat if you want to. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. But yeah, literally like, pretty much everything in my house right now is like, it's just been like meat and water for me pretty much. It's awesome. I love it. Um, what else we got? I love a good ribeye, but not, but will not be without my coffee. Me neither. Definitely not. Uh, four of my cousins have it and it's totally leaky gut. Yeah. I think diverticulitis is, is hands down. It's a leaky gut issue, right? Just like everything else, just like IBS, just like Crohn's, all these things. It all starts in the gut. It's systemic inflammation and leaky gut, gut intestinal permeability. It's a real, real problem, right? All right. What else we got here? So uh, this is an interesting one I can dig into. This is a question that says, have you talked about sleep apnea? And I don't think that I have. I don't think I've ever talked about sleep apnea, which is interesting because I don't have sleep apnea, um, but I did struggle with some sleep stuff. And yeah, so let's just dig in. Okay, sleep apnea is interesting because for me, it's it's again, it's like like we just talked about with the carnivore diet. So it's super, super, super simple. It's like as simple as it gets. I think straight up the same way that I think that like any inflammatory problem that you're dealing with, like diverticulitis is, is super, there's a ton of inflammation there, right? Anytime that you are dealing with sleep apnea, in my opinion, it's kind of a blanket statement thing, you're probably dealing with obesity, right? Sleep apnea is an obesity problem. Now we can dig into the outliers. There will be people that are going to be able to point out outliers and say, well, my friend is normal weight and they have sleep apnea, but you have to think about it like this. If you take, I think, I'm trying to think of statistics on sleep apnea, right? So if if you were to take all the obese people and study them, like 20 to 40% of obese people have sleep apnea. If you were to take the general population of normal, what's considered normal body weight people, it's like 2%. Literally, it, it plummets from 20 to 40% in obese people to like 2% in what would be considered normal people, like two to 4%. But the issue that we have there is they're judging people on body weight. They're judging their metabolic health on body weight. And we know that body weight tells us nothing, literally tells us nothing, right? So if, if you're a normal body weight in America, you're in trouble, particularly by Clovis standards. I'm overweight by BMI standards, like because I have too much muscle. So like I said, if you call me on the phone and say, hey, I have a guy here, he's He's, you know, six foot four and 260 pounds. I don't know what I'm looking at because I could be looking at a very obese man or I could be looking at the rock, but I can't see him and you didn't give me enough information. If you say, hey, I'm looking at this guy and he's six four, 260 pounds and 33% body fat, I know exactly what I'm dealing with in terms of body weight. This is an obese person. 
if you say he's 4% body fat, body fat percentage, I'm like, oh, that's the rock. You got a shredded super athlete on your hands. Holy crap, that's crazy, right? So this sleep apnea, in my opinion, is an obesity problem. And what happens, the airway is actually closing. So the airway closes, it cuts off the oxygen supply, and you have these little mini wake-ups that your body doesn't even register. Like an obese person can wake up hundreds of times a night. Like sleep apnea is no joke. And I found that I was having um, some of this happen with me. So anyway, so yes, obesity, number one, hand, like literally you could read, read the coronavirus ebook and do what that tells you to do, and you're gonna fix your sleep apnea problem the same way that you're gonna boost your immune system. It's all the same, everybody. Like no matter how many of these AMAs I do, I'm gonna just keep telling you the same thing, which is get your nutrition under control, period. That's it, biggest ROI for anything we ever talk about ever, from cognitive function to depression to sleep apnea to diverticulitis to inflammation to whatever. Anything under the sun gets your nutrition right. That's it. But I had that weird jaw issue I showed you guys like this. That my jaw snaps every time I open. So my jaw is sitting in a weird way and it's probably a combination of things being a singer my whole life, being punched in the face a bazillion times, right? Like all these different things, being choked and blah, 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 all this stupid stuff that I've done, right? So my jaw has been a problem for years and years and years. It doesn't hurt. It doesn't cause me any pain. But when I sleep on my back, I would find myself waking up because I need oxygen. When I sleep on my side, this is a non-issue, complete non-issue. And a lot of sleep apnea people are that way as well. If they just stop sleeping on their back, I've seen people literally sew tennis balls, wear pajamas and sew tennis balls right around their love handles. Like a, sew a love hand, uh, sew a tennis ball into like a, right above each love handle so that they can't sleep on their back. When they roll on their back, they're super uncomfortable. They stay on their side, the snoring stops, the sleep apnea stops. But generally speaking, in overweight and obese people, it's literally they're too fat and it's closing their windpipe. Like they're having a hard time breathing because when they're on their back, all that weight is going like this, right? Like, have you ever seen somebody, you ever seen an overweight person on FaceTime and they do this and film themselves from the bottom and all you see is like this? But that's what's happening when they sleep. I can't even do it. They're sleeping like this. And they can't breathe. I'm not making fun of them. This is just literally how fat people sleep when they're on their back, right? So you like wives are notorious. My husband snores. I got to roll him on his side so he stops snoring. That's sleep apnea. Most people with snow, that snoring issues have sleep apnea, right? Um, so just lose the weight. But if you are someone like what I did, I went to a biological dentist. So if you are like a healthy, a metabolically healthy person that has sleep apnea, this is totally a thing. Again, two to 4% of the population or whatever, but this is totally a thing. Go to a biological dentist. You can get yourself a, a, uh, a bite guard that aligns your jaw in a certain way. And if you align your jaw in a certain way, that can really open up that, that airway and and make things better but like for me like i said if i just sleep on my side this is a non-issue for me um but those bite guards are really cool the only bummer is like a really good biological dentist is like a functional medicine doctor they are not going to accept insurance it's all gonna be out of pocket and it's gonna be super super expensive but they're worth their weight in gold way more than a normal dentist now if you have significant issues and you have the money to do it it would be thousands of dollars and you'd want to see a specialist for it but they can literally file down and grind and drill your teeth in a way that changes the alignment of your jaw permanently. So that as long as your teeth are together, your jaw is aligned the way that it should be. Now, I always try to tell people this, if I wear that bite guard that I sleep with at night, it shifts my bottom jaw forward. So we know since we've been eating grains, Dr. Weston A. Price is a dentist and he's like the founder of the paleo diet type thing, right? And, and Weston A. Price was talking about the amazing dental health of these indigenous tribes. Since we've been eating grains for 10, 12,000 years, our skeletons have actually been shrinking. Why would it make sense evolutionarily for us to all have wisdom teeth that don't fit in our heads? 
How does that make any sense? Do you think that 15,000 years ago they were doing surgery on children to take out their wisdom teeth that don't fit in their head? No. We literally used to have skeletons that were big enough to hold wisdom teeth in our head. And then we shrunk our skeletons by eating grains for 12,000 years. That's literally what happened. That's why wisdom teeth are a problem now and we have all these bite alignment, jaw problems. We have all these serious issues where indigenous tribes people have like fantastic teeth. They're just notorious for having wonderful teeth, no cavities, no nothing, and they don't have fluoride toothpaste, everybody. But anyway, enough of that rant. But the thing about the jaw alignment is if you open your mouth wide, right? I'll do it, my jaw will snap. But if I open my mouth wide and then I close it very slowly, when you close your mouth very, very, very slowly, 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 your front teeth should touch first. This is true for almost nobody, okay? But it should be the case for everybody. This is how bad our dental health and jaw alignment is at this point. I mean, I'm telling you guys, we're, we are literally anti-evolution. The, the, the human species is anti-evolution at this point, where now we have this very Darwinian virus that is killing this, the sickest among us. The people that are dealing with the most significant metabolic health are dying from this thing. It's very, very serious. Like, it's not a joke. It, when we look at the Darwinian side of things or we look at evolution or the way species work, this is actually quite natural. Like, this happens, if it were any other species, we'd just be like, oh man, there's that crazy thing that's wiping out the vast, a, a, a big percentage of the population of, of cows. That's a real bummer, right? We all just freak out because we're people. We forget that we are part of the animal kingdom. Like we actually are part of the animal kingdom. We are part of the circle of life in this hierarchy that we exist in. We are the apex predator, right? And then a virus comes along and starts killing literally the weakest among us. I want you to just stop and think about that for a second. That's what it's doing. Sure, you could point me to outliers. There's there's an Olympian. He's like a 30-something-year-old Olympian who has coronavirus and has said it's the worst thing he's ever been through. He walks a couple of feet and is completely exhausted. It's completely dismantled his system. But what is everyone doing? They're saying, this is a 30-something-year-old high-performance athlete. Okay, did they tell me anything about this guy's diet? Because he could be a very high-performance Olympic-level athlete, and he could be on a diet of 100% whole grains, carb loading before every workout, carb loading before every event. He could have six-pack abs and be insulin resistant with a sky-high uh, HbA1c and a sky-high fasted blood glucose. We don't know. I haven't seen his blood markers. We can't just say he has a six-pack. He's an athlete. He's metabolically healthy. We don't know that. He might be a metabolic train wreck because of poor nutrition. I don't care how much you work out. Poor nutrition is going to have an impact on your biochemistry. So we don't know that just because he's 30 and physically fit that he's metabolically healthy. We don't know that. I'm telling you right now, it's something like 99% of people who have expired from coronavirus had prior chronic health conditions. It's like 99%. It's staggering. It's crazy, right? What else we got? We got to stop sugar and carbs. Yep, 100%. Super interesting. My ex-mother-in-law has bad sleep apnea and she's not overweight, but she's type, di type diabetic. Yes, exactly. Right. Uh, and eats really irresponsibly for a diabetic. So the other thing to think about too is um, front-facing camera is good to no one. <laughs> I'll step on a front-facing camera all day, every day. I don't care. I ain't scared. Um, but so the other thing to note too is there is a huge correlation between diabetes, both type 1 and type 2, interesting, more type 2, and sleep apnea. But the other thing to understand about sleep apnea is if we have a normal weight person, then we take into consideration um, like uh, we were just talking, someone just mentioned visceral fat and sleep apnea, right? So we have these 
dads, the dad bod, right? The big beach belly, a lot of visceral fat. This is an issue of where we start to talk about the, the hip to waist circumference, uh, waist to hip ratio or whatever, the hip to, I can't remember what the hell it's called, if it's waist first or hip first, but like hip to waist circumference that they talk about for like metabolic syndrome. That's like a marker of metabolic syndrome. Um, so you have these people with these big, big visceral fat bellies and they might be like, I've met guys who's like literally like their biceps and their shoulders and their pecs look exactly like mine. They're just like jacked dad bod and then a freaking beach ball rock hard belly. That's all visceral fat, right? This is usually, this happens to a lot of ex-athletes um, or a lot of CrossFitters will have this, right? This big, big belly thing, right? So that is gonna be a real problem. That has a huge correlation with sleep apnea. I'm telling you right now, sleep apnea 9.9 .9 times out of 10 is a, a metabolic dysfunction problem. It's someone who is metabolically not healthy. That's it. Usually overweight or obese. Now keep in mind, there are a lot of people who are normal body weight and then you measure their body composition and they're obese. They're body composition obese with a normal BMI. You can have a very skinny person who is 35% body fat. Their overall body weight, they might be underweight and then according to body composition statistics are actually obese. It's really, really interesting. And we just don't know how to measure this stuff because we, we haven't measured it correctly for decades and decades and decades now. It's quite interesting, right? So you got to think about what is metabolically healthy and what is not metabolically healthy. Obstructive sleep apnea and central sleep apnea. Hey man, front facing, oh yeah, front facing camera. One of my exes had six wisdom teeth that all had to be removed. So uh, should have been a sign, I guess. I had five wisdom teeth that had to be removed and four of them were compacted which means that they had to be crushed and taken out piece by piece. Um, so I had, f yeah, five wisdom teeth, four were compacted. And yeah, and then I went tubing on my dad's boat like three days later. It was weird. I was fine. I don't know why. Because I was definitely not like super healthy then or anything. I was a teenager. I just didn't care, I don't think. What else we got? I've never had my wisdom teeth removed and I've never needed to. I've never needed braces either. There you go. Good for you. Killing the game. That's awesome. All right, so... um. We got a few minutes left here, and this is this is kind of uh, uh, coronavirus related, I guess. I guess it would get me talking about coronavirus if you guys want to. I think this has just been one of the most revealing things that we we've ever seen uh, in human in human history, really. And I'm gonna explain that here because this question is an interesting question, and it came at a really interesting time. And the universe tends to do this, and I love it. Um, this is what we will call a hit and run question. This is where somebody submits a question through the anonymous portal and they don't leave a, num a name or email or anything like that, right? And keep in mind too, when you guys ask questions at ama.iamclovis.com, like if you want me to know who you are, you gotta tell me who you are in that form. So sometimes a lot of people ask me a question and then they'll be like, hey, they'll email me like, you didn't answer my question. And I'm like, I don't know who you are. I, I, there's no way from, I can't reply to you from that form. That's a one way form. You send me that form. If you don't give me any of your information, I don't know who you are. I have no way of knowing who you are. On that form so just know that and i do that on purpose so that people can leave anonymous questions so this question is what i'll call a hit and run and i literally laughed out loud when i got it um so here's here's the hit and run question just a real quick short one-liner do you think i should start a part a podcast i just bubbled that do you think i should start a podcast that's the question and this is hilarious because i literally took uh, an hour-long call i did a coaching call today with three people at the same time first time i've ever done this um a group of three people, one of which is a good friend of mine, these three 
super sharp, energetic, young professional females that are like kicking ass and taking names in their careers and everything. And they're like, we want to all be together and do a podcast. And we want it to be like The View, but not shitty, right? Amazing. I love this. So short answer, yes, you should start a podcast. If you want to start a podcast, you should start a podcast. 100%, you should do that. You have my blessing. I will help you. I will give you tools. I will do everything that I did for these girls. I sent them screen recordings of how I do things, and this is the microphone that I use, and here it is right here, and here's the Amazon link to the microphone, and blah, 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 blah. Do I think you should start a podcast? Yes, 100%. Do I think you should literally do anything that your body and mind and heart are telling you that you, that you want to do? Yes, I do, 100%. Here is the difference. These girls that I talked to today and this person, whoever this person is asking me about a podcast, didn't say, do you think I should start a podcast to make money? Or do you think I can make money doing a podcast? They didn't say like, hey, coronavirus just happened and I need to figure out how to make money online. Like, should I should I start a podcast and make money? Because my answer would be a, a very loud, aggressive, resounding no. You should not do that if that is the goal, unless you want to see what any level of income you get from that podcast looks like five years down the line, or if you have $250,000 of marketing budget to market your podcast from episode one and grow the grow it very quickly, if you don't have that, then no, you should not do a podcast to make money. Which brings me to the bigger point of all this. People have spare time right now, particularly people that are in my shoes where you're like single and doing social distancing and don't have a family and don't have kids and all that, right? But what happens here is a lot of people are waiting for, again, who's the big person in charge that stands in the front of the room and is the grown-up in the room and is supposed to have all the answers. Everyone's waiting for someone to give them permission. Now, what happens here is people get too caught up in the result of what they want to do versus the thing that they want to do. So if you're saying like, should I start a podcast? And the first things that come to your mind, when you say I want to start a podcast, I'm going to say why. That's what I'm going to ask you if we're on a coaching call. Why do you want to start a podcast? I'm going to look for very specific things. Because if the questions you're asking yourself are, will anyone listen? Will I sound dumb? Will I have anything to talk about? Will my mom get mad at me for saying certain things? Well, I kind of want to be honest and talk about certain things, but my husband might listen. And I really don't want to sound dumb again. That's the big one. Everyone doesn't want to sound dumb, right? So if those are the questions you have, don't do it. Like you don't need to do that, right? You're you're thinking about the end result. You're not thinking about the process. Where I look at it, as I talked about with the, if you were to build an eBay store to make money from home, you're going to learn so many skills along the way. Jackie chimed in and talked about all the things she's learned as being a freelancer. So if you go down the road of starting a podcast, even if even if six months from now you no longer have the podcast, but you made a podcast, particularly if you do the podcast right, which is actually very video focused. Like video is the biggest driver of traffic to your podcast. So if you're going to start a podcast and have a YouTube channel and have an, and have an Instagram and use the Instagram and YouTube video content from your podcast like I do to push people to the podcast, if you want to do that correctly, the amount of skills that you're going to learn in the first three episodes of doing this thing is crazy. You will learn audio recording, or audio recording. You will learn audio recording and editing. You will learn video recording and editing. If you do it with someone else remotely, you're going to learn how to use Zoom, how to do a Zoom conference, how to record a Zoom conference and pull the video and audio into an editing software. You're going to learn how to edit down videos for 59 second YouTube, uh, I mean Instagram clips. You might, I could show you how to make the little headlines and make the progress bar. Now you know how to do video editing. Then you need to come up with a podcast cover. Okay, well 
I need a podcast cover and I don't know how to use Photoshop. So then I tell you to get on Fiverr and you go to Fiverr.com and you find a graphic designer, you send them a couple pictures and they make you a podcast cover for 10 bucks. Now you've hired a freelancer. You know how to go out and hire a freelancer. Holy crap, that's awesome. Now you need a music intro for your podcast and you don't know how to do that. So you go hire another free freelancer and you say, hey, I really like this song or here's this royalty-free music. Then you gotta go look at royalty-free music, music that you can use without getting sued for using it. Well, now you Google royalty-free music and you're looking at royalty-free music. I like this one. I'm gonna take this. I'm gonna send it to the freelancer. I'm gonna record a little clip. What's up, everybody? This is Justin. How are you? Hey, can you take that clip of me and put it with this music and make a little intro for my podcast and then make a robot voice say the title of my podcast? Like, Clovis, building a healthy life together, together, together. I edited that myself because I went to freaking music school, right? So I made my own intro, but you don't have to do that. So now all of a sudden you're learning all these skills, like you're hiring freelancers, you're doing video editing, you're doing audio recording, you're, you're finding things to talk about, listening back to your own episodes and learning your own ticks. You might say, I say like a lot, I say um a lot, I say literally, literally every three seconds, literally, literally, right? All these little things that you're gonna learn, it's literally, you're, literally, you're getting public speaking. This is, that is literal public speaking. You are learning public speaking. So this is what I constantly try to tell people is that what's happening right now with this coronavirus thing is people are sitting at home going, what do I do? There's no grownups telling me what to do. My boss has not asked me for anything because I've been laid off or I can't work remotely or, and now, now I see all these parents, I've been talking about this, like parents are complaining that schools are sending home workloads and curriculums. Like, hey, here's our curriculum. Can you work on some of this stuff with your kids while you're home? And I'm literally seeing people on social media going, I'm not a teacher. This isn't my job. I don't know how to teach this kid. What? And like people getting mad about it. I'm like, whoa. Like what happens is people are so specialized you become an accountant, let's say. So let's say, I'm just gonna use that example because it, it, I know a lot of badass accountants, by the way, like badass fucking people. But it just, for some reason, you say accountant and it just sounds boring, right? It just does, let's be honest. So if you talk to a guidance counselor when you were 17 and decided, I'm gonna go into accounting and now you're an accountant and you're a nine to five accountant and you work in a cubicle and you've done that for 20 years, that is literally what you know. There is work and there is home, right? So it's this specialized thing where I talk about specialization being for insects. Now the rug has been pulled out from everybody and they're realizing that they don't have, Scott Adams calls it a talent stack. People are realizing that they don't have a talent stack. They don't have a stack of a vast array of talents that they can use to get ahead in life. They're, they're realizing that their knowledge and their skill set is very, 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 very specialized and they're completely fucked. When the system falls apart, they're completely fucked. They're going, I have one boss, I have one source of income, I live up to my means. So it's like, hey, I can't afford my mortgage. Well, I gotta tell you, personal responsibility, if you don't have six months worth of your living expenses or six months of your mortgage in liquid cash form, you're in the wrong house. The problem isn't your job or that your income got turned off, it's that you made a poor decision to live in that house that you actually can't afford. If you can only afford something as long as the money is coming in, you can't afford it, period, right? So anyway, but the talent stacking thing, this is why I think everyone should start a podcast. I think everyone should learn how to play an instrument. I think everybody should try to learn another language. I've been trying like hell to learn another language for years now and I still suck at it, right? It's the, it's the act of sucking at it that's really, really beneficial to me. It's the same way where people will tell me like, hey, Justin, I wanna do jujitsu. And I go, okay. But I can tell pretty quickly that the person wants to be a black belt. 
They don't want to do jujitsu. They want to be a black belt. They don't want to be a white belt. If someone says, I want to start a podcast, they want to be Joe Rogan. They don't want to be Justin with Clovis and do 400 podcast episodes or whatever the hell I've done over the last two years and just hustle and grind at this thing and make the content every day and edit it myself and all that stuff. They don't want to do that. They want to be Joe Rogan. That's it, right? But it's the process. It's the process of sucking where your talent stack starts to happen. So since I have Clovis... It's not just all of a sudden, well, Justin's lucky he has this Clovis thing. It's like, no, if you guys saw behind the scenes all the work that went into this thing, everything that has ever happened with Clovis, every Instagram post, every podcast that goes up, like Jackie helps me now with freelancer tasks, every task that Jackie has ever done for me ever, I've already done, right? I had to do it. I had to get good at it and do it myself when I had no money or any of these things. I had to do those things myself and then I have to be able to teach it to her right? So this is the thing. Stop getting hung up in the finish line and get hung up on the process. Do you want to start a podcast? Do I think you should start a podcast? Whoever asked that question, yes, you should absolutely start a podcast and you will grow tremendously as a person from doing that. And the bigger and scarier it is, if you really do want to do it, you should do it. It doesn't matter how big and scary it is. You should absolutely do it. And that's what I want to happen with this coronavirus thing is I want this to be positive for people. I really want people to take a look and say, okay, on a scale of one to 10, how reliant was I on the mainstream? And what I mean by the mainstream is you graduate high school, you choose a major, you go to college, you get your college student loan debt, you get out of college, you maybe get married, you buy a house, you mortgage the house, you use credit cards, you work your job, you only have one source of income, you come home and watch TV at night, and then you groundhog day this thing and maybe go on vacation one week a year or whatever, and that's the life that you built for yourself, right? Okay, I'm not judging you, but I'm saying when the rug gets pulled out from under you, when coronavirus happens, what does your life look like? And that's where we need to do the self-reflection and the self-awareness practice of, on a scale of one to 10, how reliant am I on this system? If I'm one of these people where coronavirus happened and I go, well, who's gonna pay my bills? What? Pretty sure you just said your bills, not my bills. I'm not responsible for your bills at all, right? And I'm not lucky because I'm in a system, I'm in in a situation where coronavirus really doesn't impact me that much. I'm not lucky because of that. No, 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 I built that, right? This is not Barack Obama's speech. You didn't build that. Yeah, I did. I really did, right? So that's what we have to look at. And it doesn't have to be this thing of of judging who built what, who didn't. It's just, what do you want to do going forward? Because I promise you guys that a year from now, this will all be but for but forgotten. Like literally, it'll it'll be pretty much forgotten. The market will be back to normal. People will be back to work. All these things is going to be settled down. Coronavirus will still exist, and there'll probably be a vaccination and treatment, and it's not a big deal. Just like we have another flu during flu season that we all just kind of get used to. This is not a world-ending event. But what's going to happen is once social distancing stops and the economy starts to get back to normal and people go back to their jobs, the office opens back up. You go back to work. Restaurants reopen. Blah 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 blah. Everyone is going to forget very quickly. They are going to forget what it felt like when the rug was pulled out from underneath them. They're going to go back to comfort very quickly. The adaptation period of going from comfort to this kind of chaos is way harder and more difficult than people going from chaos back into that warm, cozy comfort of stability. 
right? That's what's going to happen. People are going to forget this feeling. People forget very quickly. And it's the people who are going to be willing to look back at this and have the self-awareness to say, okay, I am not judging myself. I did what I was set up to do from the time I was a little child. Everyone told me that I should go to college and get this job and have a 401k and health benefits and all these things. Everyone told me I should do this and I did that. Don't beat yourself up about that, right? It's the same way until I was 25 years old or whatever. I was still eating whole grains and doing P90X workouts and bodybuilding and blah, 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 right? I don't beat myself up for those things, but it was important that I shifted my mindset and changed things, right? And you guys can all do the same. There's literally nothing in my life that I have done that you guys can't do. I'm telling you right now. I, I even, and people love to throw music in my face when I say that. I knew a girl that had the same vocal coach that I did in college. And this girl sounded like a cat was dying when she started singing. It was horrific. And then she went on to be very highly ranked on American Idol, like within three years of taking vocal lessons. She was a horrifically bad singer. I'm not kidding. Like terrible. Okay. So it's not just this thing of, I'm, I'm telling you, I am telling you there is nothing in my life that I have done that all of you cannot do. I mean, yeah, maybe you're not a male, so there's certain things you can't do, right? But um, but really, I mean, it's just it's just a matter of when I sit here and tell you these things that I've done or the way my life is or whatever, it's it's just telling you like, I'm so, I am so normal. <laughs> I am just like a normal person who was like, ah, man. And it was really hard because a lot of my life, I felt really weird that I didn't want to do the same things that other people wanted to do. This is very tricky, you know? So I just always felt like, oh man, I'm, I'm like weird. I, I think I'm just always going to be really weird. And that was really sad. Like I went through really sad periods of just being like, yeah, dude, you're just always going to be weird, you know? Um, but anyway, that's, do I think you should start a podcast? Yes. I think everyone should, should, should pick up some kind of thing that they're passionate about, something that they want to get good at, something that will help them build skills. I think they should absolutely do that, right? Um, let me see what we got here. Update us on your pod. Is it still great? I am obsessed. Love it. Absolutely love the pod. It's crazy. It's very interesting. At first, it's very, very interesting. Um, the biggest thing for me is I, I can't remember the last time I have woken up to an alarm clock. That's nuts. I have not not used an alarm clock in years. I spread myself very thin. I do a lot of work. Like I make myself very tired, right? For a very long time, it was like, if I allow myself to stay in bed, I'll just stay in bed for 11 hours if I don't set an alarm. Like, I'll sleep 12 hours if I don't set an alarm, right? Because I just do a lot of things every day and I get really tired and exhausted. Um, but this pod, it's crazy. Like, I, I, I will open my eyes and I'm like, it's 30 minutes before my alarm is supposed to go off. And like, I'm good. I got to get out of bed. This is amazing. It's, it's fantastic. I love it. It's super comfy. The temperature thing is insane. Fantastic, right? Perfect time for it. Just remember consistency is key. Consistency is everything with a podcast. Literally everything. So you have to set a goal. Like, are you going to do one episode a week? Are you going to do two episodes a week? Are you going to do two episodes a month, right? Set a baseline goal and never miss that. If you don't, if I'm telling you, if you don't do that consistency, you'll never get subscribers to a podcast. Not going to happen. Jackie, thank you for that perspective shift. Lately, I've been feeling like a jack of all trades, master of none, instead of seeing it as talent stacking. Yes, um, definitely read that Scott Adams book that I mentioned called How to Fail. It's a fantastic book. It's called How to Fail at Almost Everything and Still Win Big. This guy is one of the best thinkers on the planet in terms of just literally being good at thinking. He's He's got it. He's just, he's the winner. That's it. And he's just like me. He doesn't claim to be an expert in anything. 
Like, I think he has like advanced degrees in economics and psychology and all these things. Like he's, he's a brilliant man, but he doesn't claim to claim to be an expert in anything the same way that I don't, I don't really think I'm an expert in anything. I might be an expert in dueling pianos. That's about it. Right. Uh, if I were to really pick something that I'm really good at, like I can do that. <laughs> but, um, yeah, I mean, I don't think of myself as an expert in anything, but I think of myself as a, an adequate thinker, let's say. I will call myself an adequate thinker. I tend to look at things in a way that, that allows me to kind of see the whole picture. And I, I know that I have blind spots and biases and all these things. I am certain of that 100%. Um, and like I tell you guys, like when I get stuff wrong, I will be like, hey, I totally got that wrong. Or maybe things that I, that I really think I'm right about. And a year later, it turns out I wasn't so right. Or a year later, there's data that didn't exist a year ago. And then my mind gets changed. It's just all in how you think about these things. Um, but I think if we could get people to understand the value of wisdom through experience rather than end goals. And nutrition and fitness play a role in this as well because everyone's constantly like 14 day this, 21 day that. At the end of my 30 day whole 30 experiment, I'm gonna have the biggest piece of cheesecake. It's gonna be wonderful, right? Blah, blah, blah. It's so silly, ridiculous. Um, what else we got? Even if I work for Justin full time, he'd still have more than enough tasks to work full time. Exactly, yeah, that's, that's a really great point, uh, especially since you've seen behind the scenes now. It's just the constant triage. It's literally triage of like, okay, we wanna do 400 things. We have the time and hours and manpower to do four things. <laughs> so 396 things are going to remain over here. And eventually we were totally going to do them. And we have more money and a bigger team and all these things and blah, blah, blah. It's literally just triage of like what's actually going to get done. Anchor FM, yes, the, the call that we had today, I ran them off. If anybody really does, whoever asked this question, if you really want to start a podcast, like you can reach out to me directly and, and I can show you everything you need to know about starting a podcast for sure. Obviously, I kind of did it. Right? Um, yeah. Anyway, that's AMA 107. I don't, I don't know if this one was valuable for you guys. I mean, I know you like the whiteboard stuff and everything. Um, oh, wait a second. What else we got here? I was looking into the L-citrulline and L-arginine combination and came across an L-arginine and L-ornithine combination. Do you know much about L-ornithine? I do not. Um, I would, again, so this happens a lot with supplements where I will tell people about a specific supplement and they'll say, well, what about this supplement? I go, I don't know. It's it's not really uh, feasible for me to know a ton about all the supplements, right? I try. I tell you guys the supplements that I have vetted. Um, L-ornithine could be amazing. Um, I don't know if it's for the same thing, right? Like I was particularly looking for a nitric oxide boosting. So I would have to dig into L-ornithine and see what L-ornithine does. And then I would want to dig into some of the research and see what it does. And it could be awesome. I'm not saying it's bad or good. Um, I just don't have a ton of experience with it. So um Interesting. I'll make a little note of it too and poke around myself and see what that's all about. Um, citrulline and arginine. Uh, I got that information from a book called A Statin Nation. This is a fantastic book. Um, here, I might actually have a direct link for it. But this is one of my favorite books. I, in terms of cardiovascular health, this is my favorite book ever written, period. Um, there you go. There's a link. It's called The Statin Nation by Malcolm Kendrick. So check that out for sure. Um, what do you know about nanoceuticals glutathione? I don't know anything about uh, nanoceuticals. So I'm assuming that this is nanotechnology where they're saying that they're using a liposomal form nanotechnology to get glutathione into the system. That said, we know for sure that um, glutathione as a diet, as an ingested supplement does not work well. It just doesn't. Um, I mean like serious studies have been done on this, like 1000 milligrams a day of glutathione um, for four weeks straight showed no increased glutathione in the human body. Whereas 
a cold water swim, like cold water immersion, jumping in a cold river and swimming, significantly in, increased glutathione in the body, right, without ingesting anything. So what we're really finding is, and I talk about this in the book, I actually mentioned that study in the book, um, immune system really seems to respond well to environmental hormesis because you have to think throughout all of human history, right? Glutathione is in your body. Your body has glutathione in it at all times. It's the mother of all antioxidants. Now, throughout all of human history, millions of years of evolution, we've never had glutathione supplements and somehow have never suffered a glutathione deficiency, right? So this is what I always tell people is like, everyone's trying to boost things. You want to boost your glutathione, boost your glutathione. You don't have a glutathione deficiency. You don't. If you have a healthy metabolism, you don't have a glutathione deficiency. So I would guess even with nanoceuticals or whatever, you're probably probably wasting your money with glutathione if you're ingesting it, right? There are people that do glutathione IVs. You can do IV therapy for glutathione. Um, I do a, a five-minute cold shower every morning, and I know that I'm boosting my glutathione levels. I know definitively that with that cold exposure, I am boosting my glutathione levels, and it doesn't cost me any money at all. So I don't have to guess, is this a waste of money, right? Dave, do you recommend... A good CBD for first responders, THC free, 100%. Yeah, hold on, let me, I'm gonna grab you another link here because there is literally only one CBD company that I roll with at all. And this is who I think you should use. Uh, if I can find it, let's see. I think this link will work. Let me double check it. Um, but yeah, that would be Ojai Energetics. Ojai Energetics is hands down the website that I would use to get CBD. So this is a full spectrum hemp elixir. Um, you can also go to clovis.show slash Ohi and you can listen to the podcast that I did with the founder of Ohi Energetics. That is hands down, in my opinion, the best CBD product on the market. And keep in mind, it took me years for me to actually get on board with promoting a CBD product because I think it's the complete wild west, it's completely unregulated. And I think a lot of these companies make nonsense claims and they don't have the purity testing and all those things to back them up. There are a lot of good brands out there now. There are a lot of good brands, yes, but the one that I recommend is Ohio Energetics, so check them out. Grab that. Judy, can't wait for my coaching call. Me too, super excited. That'll be really fun. Um, if you guys wanna book a coaching call, you can go to iamclovis.com slash coaching. And we're running over here. What time is it? Yeah, 9.12. So let's start off here, everybody. Thank you so much for this AMA. Just kind of chill, me just talking. Hope you don't mind. Um, if you... Again, the more questions you guys send me, the more the AMAs will be geared towards whatever you want me to talk about. They can be whiteboard presentations. I still want to do a whiteboard presentation on IVF, um, but it's a little tricky right now because I'm trying to be really empathetic because I've been hammering you. I've been like beating you over the head about how important it is to be metabolically healthy. And an IVF episode is going to be the same thing. Like nothing drives me crazier than people trying IVF who are not in a healthy metabolic place. Um, that's really what that episode is going to be about. So um, just trying to think of what we want to go, what we want to do uh, going forward. So remember to always send me your questions. Let me know what you want to talk about. That really helps guide me. And um, thanks for being here. AMA 107. I'll see you guys tomorrow in the groups. Go get your coronavirus ebook. Again, iamclovis.com slash coronavirus. Go check that out. It's 100% free. All of it's free. The ebook's free. The audiobook's free. Go get it if you want it. It's a cool little five-step protocol for, for boosting your overall metabolic health and thus in boosting your immune system, okay? Thank you for the likes, the loves, the happy faces, everything. Hope you learned a little bit tonight about sleep apnea and the carnivore diet and if you should start a podcast. Yeah, you totally should. All right, guys, I'm out of here. Have a good night. I love you. Bye. <laughs> 
my way about 